start with the chassis. Cool. Um, yeah, so I run, I'm Francis Colon. Um, I shoot for several teams, but uh, my chassis is the new MDT ACC Elite. So this iteration is currently a prototype or near completion prototype. It's the final version of it. But uh, yeah, I've been running it now for almost a year, actually this entire season since December, but uh, it's been a huge, huge upgrade for me. So absolutely loving it to this point. Excellent. How about you, Chad? Hello, I'm Chad Heckler. Um, so I'm running a dinosaur of a chassis. Um, <laughs> it is a 20... It is a 2017 MPA oh. BA competition chassis, and it is the first chassis that I ever purchased with my own money. And I like it because it just feels familiar to me. Um, I am committed to branching out and trying some other chassis. I recently had, um, I recently had grabbed a um, Matrix Pro. I've never tried the Matrix, but I have the Matrix Pro, and then uh, I'm getting one of those. Uh, ACC Elite, I think it is, the yeah. MDT Elite chassis that Francis had, just just to see what else is out there. I mean, I have uh, I have no complaints about this chassis. It has always treated me right. So, I mean, I'm a very big, I'm a very, very big fan of not changing anything if it's working, you know? There's no reason for me to <laughs> really, really change anything about it. You'll find that about me. I'm using stuff that I like. And as far as sponsorship stuff goes like everything that I'm using. I made a lot of it may be sponsored, but it's all, it was all unsolicited. Like I, I didn't go out and look for these things. Like I was already using these things um, to compete and to, you know, perform. I already trusted them. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you have to, right. Hey, will you guys yeah. do me a favor? I just want to see where they balance, like, I mean, approximately just hold them up and show me about, where they balance there's this is not how i would necessarily shoot it so this is uh about four or five inches forward but that's with the with my bipod on there you go bipod off right there that that happens to be the exact point of the notch or crotch in a armageddon gear medium slash plus one it's directly over the center of the lobe with or without my um, bipod. I'm not oh, holding awesome. my rifle up anymore because it weighs like 24 pounds. So uh, it's about the same spot as what you saw Francis's balance. It's about five inches in front of the magwell. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I just wanted to see that because their rifles are configured for them and balance to me is really important. And that's a little bit forward of where I balance mine, but um, in the field, I'm usually clipped into a tripod and so I'm not, mm -hmm. not shooting off a bag as much. Um, and, uh, I just, I just thought that was interesting. And a side note, uh, Chad, you ordered one of those ACC elite or pro or whatever they're called chassis. I also ordered one, but it isn't here yet. So I'm really excited to see it too. Uh, my, what actions are you running? Um, so I run the only action that has never failed me in the field due to the action, which is an impact 737. So uh, I worked with so my very first custom action was an impact back in 2019. It was the, I started running a, a Hawa when I began this sport at all. 
And then after that was tuned, I went, I've got to build a custom rifle because I really love the sport. This was about three, two, three months in, and I did a lot of research. Impact continuously came up in every single search I did in every forum. And this is 2019, early 2019 or late 2018. And yeah, I found one. And so I've got like serial number 900 and 930 or something close to that. And, uh, I've run it ever since. So I've got several now, but yeah, I ran the impact action for the set ever was now four years. And it's the only action I've really considered. I've tried others. I just, long story short, I haven't had anything that gave me as consistent feeding ease of use and trouble-free operation as I have with an impact. Just pure and simple emphasis on no, no failures in the field. Yeah. So I, I think it's a great action too. Uh, so as a gunsmith, I come across a lot of actions and I, before I decided what I wanted to do, I decided I had to try everything. I used to run defiance. And, um, so I made myself get a, a lone peak and an impact and everybody. And I, I settled on a lone peak. Um, I feel like it's as good or better than the impact. There's nothing wrong with either one. They're both top, top quality actions. Um, the only thing that made my decision was the lack of a trigger hanger. And I feel like it's, um, I don't know, it just feels just a little bit smoother to me. They, they're both awesome. So I've never had an issue with mine. I carry an extra bolt in my pack just in case, but I've never had to use it. So I just, it hasn't let me down. I've been running it for almost two years now. Yeah, that's one of the main reasons I run the trick. The impact actually is the trigger hanger. So it's funny that we, we have the same spin. He likes... Uh, divide or excuse me lone peaks because they don't have one that they feel kind of like you know impact or they're very smooth but they're reliable i prefer the impact because it has a trigger hanger so i can tool this other than like the screws i don't have to have a punch set to swap a trigger in the field if something should good job buddy two torque spits come back in and i'm good to go and triggers do go down i, I have not been so unfortunate as to have that but if i did i would rather have that system so that's one area we differ a little. My first rifle, they've run extraordinarily well. And candidly, I have no reason to change. They they absolutely meet and surpass the consistency requirements that I have for a barrel. And my the availability for Bartland for me has been one of the main considerations. You know, I don't want to have to wait a year to get a barrel um, or sometimes a little less. But in this case, you know, I had a lot of success with Bartland, so I stuck by them and I just continue to support them, but they're a fantastic company and they support their, not only their shooters, but even if you're not a sponsored shooter, they're always at events. And we've talked to nauseam support the people who support you and Bartland is one of them. So, so we run everything uh, as far as the barrel goes the same. The, the uh, chemistry is the mod 400, um, yeah. one, one and seven and a half twists, but we do not run the same contour. Uh, I run a, a custom contour. It's an MPA heavy contour a.k.a. the Heckler Contour, and it is the biggest that you can fit in this dinosaur of a chassis. Um, and honestly, I'm glad I settled in on it because I'm not a huge fan of the one-and-a-quarter craze. I feel like it um, it's a little un unwieldy. So e even if I switch to a different chassis like the Matrix or something else, I, I think I'm still going to stick with this Contour or something similar. Um I noticed a lot of the Oklahoma guys, like nobody over there is running straights. And I just wonder, wonder what the deal is here. So um, I'm really happy with what I have as far as barrel. In my opinion, the chamber and the barrel are the heart of a good shooting rifle. So 
I am not messing with that. Um, I'm not going to make any changes there. And I know, Chad, you chamber your own barrels. Francis, are, are you, is Chad chambering your barrels too? Yeah, I found this gunsmith who kind of knows what he's doing. Um, he may or may not have won an AG Cup at some point. Um, he makes really good barrels. Yeah, I run 5x5 five five precision barrels. So he's been making my barrels now for about two, is it two years now, Chad? It's got to be a little, yeah, around that, two and a half. Yeah, two and a half years. Um, yeah, they hammer. So I uh, trust him. I know, I know what his level of commitment is to the shooting sports. So I know that his barrels are as good as can be produced. Awesome. So, I have two brand new barrels from Chad. When are you going to shoot them? I've cleaned them out. I've put them. <laughs> they're each in their own impact. They're in the chassis. And now I just got to load up some ammo. Today I got BRA brass. Uh, so in the next 72 hours, I think I'll be able to shoot them. Nice. That should be pretty cool. I'm pretty psyched about that. Um, let's see. We got barrels. We got actions and chassis. How about triggers? Trigger tag trigger diamond trigger. for me, probe trigger. curve. Seven pounds. Do you know what they come factory? <laughs> yeah, they're right around a pound. And a half. Yeah, yeah, one pound. They're right around a pound. Yeah, I can actually that's, tell you. That's what you run, Chris. I can tell that's why you asked that question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mess with triggers, but I definitely don't make them. I don't make them lighter. But yeah, um, the, the two-stage... 14.1. I noticed that, you know, what, what if, if I shoot my AI, that's about a pound and a half, something like that. And I could tell the difference, the, the one pound or the 14 ounce, whatever, uh, feels, feels really light to me, but, um, sick. The, all right. So, I mentioned brakes earlier and you guys mentioned something that you have on there. That's not a brake. So I want to talk about whatever that contraption is. Yeah. So this yeah. is to me in terms of muzzle brakes uh, or muzzle devices, one of the biggest game changers that I've personally found in my own health and also shooting sports. It's we both use the uh, area 419 Maverick. It's a modular suppressor system that allows a about a four or four and a half inch core baffle system, at, along with at the very end, a muzzle brake style adapter that diverts gases at the muzzle, much like a brake. I mean, literally like a brake. It's specifically designed to use high flow gas and then create a small cushion, cushion on the acoustics so that you don't get the full blast of a muzzle brake but you get the control and recoil reductions slash muzzle rise control of a muzzle brake. Uh, I started shooting it in, oh boy, I think it was two years ago. It was right when it came out. In fact, maybe literally right when it came out, um, plus some time for the stamp. And it was night and day difference um, in my ability to see shots, to hear. and Anything to throw in there, Chad? Oh yeah, I didn't know I had uh, stuff to add there. Um, yeah, I, I also, I did not, I did not want to jump on the bandwagon right away. I, it took me a year to get into it, to be quite honest. And, and it's mainly because, like I said before, I'm not a fan of changing things that are already working, but the more I shot, I mean, I don't know how much you shoot, Chris, but we're, we're pushing 10,000 plus precision rifle rounds a year and the concussion, um, the auditory blast, um, <laughs> 
it just was starting to get to me. And I feel like, although the impulse, the duration of the impulse is a little bit longer than a muzzle break with this suppressor in between, um, it, the, the benefits are far worth it. You know, I, I just, my ears aren't ringing. I'm not flinching. I, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, it's a more pleasurable shooting experience for a lot longer throughout the weekend. That's yeah. all I can say. Yeah. And I want, I mean, I'd add to that, that the, the unsung hero of that is if your focus in a two day, specifically two day matches, pro level matches, high stress matches, your focus is truly what dictates your ability to hit all the targets and pull off all the shots that you're trying to hit. So if you still, if you feel fatigued, somebody who's not fatigued has an up on you and they have a leg up. If you have a hard time because of a flinch, somebody who's not flinching has a leg up on you. If you are, you know, drained and starting to get those stress headaches that happen after you get a lot of concussions, um, you are at a deficit for your concentration because somebody else is not. And that is the main reason it's, I don't, yeah, I, I can't say it enough. This thing is amazing. So I own, <laughs> I own a lot of them. That's awesome. Yeah, and then I, so and I, I probably have an hour worth of questions of just about that device, but, but when it comes time to clean it, are they difficult to clean? Um, no, the front half is much like a brake. You can just take it apart and put the adapter, um, brush it down like a brake. It's pretty big. The internals, you can use brushes and stuff, but you can actually send it back to 419 once a year and they'll clean it and turn it around in a few days and get it right back to you brand new. So I, well, I took mine in last, I took mine in last winter and it had 15,000 rounds on it and there was not, there was no buildup in there. I mean, yeah. it was awesome. So That's awesome. It, it's, it takes way less to maintain it than a break, to be quite honest. I agree with that. Yeah. Chad, are you running the 6.5 or the uh, 308 version? 6.5. Okay. I run the 308 version. So we differ there. But. Yeah. I, I have a lot of suppressors, but that's not one that I've, I've come across. And I think that's interesting. Now, have you, have you noticed issues with the mirage and the heat or are they small enough that the heat's not as much of an issue? No, they're, they're really small, but I run Armageddon gear, um, mirage covers. You can see it on here, but this is a custom fit mirage shield or heat shield, um, suppressor cover from Armageddon gear. It's their, standard like not the high temp material but the standard temp and i have not noticed any impact on it but i mean it's tiny like there's my hand it's the thickness of your hand and everything from here forward is that's the can that's the break so that's yeah. cool shit i'm gonna have to go get one tomorrow <laughs> it's worth it. more stamps all um, right all right let's talk about scopes let's talk about your glass Both. We both run the same scope, uh, Leupold Mark V HD with the PR2 reticle, 5 to 25 magnification. Um, yeah, I pretty much live on 20 power on my yep. scope. No, and no, then I don't, so power. there's one thing that we differ on, Francis. Uh, I do not believe in scope caps. I, I cover my rifle 100% of the time when I'm not using it. Um, and Francis likes scope caps. The only reason I keep scope cap in my bag is for rainy days, but for the majority of the time, I don't have it because I don't want to remember to have to flip it up before the stage starts. Yeah, we both, we both cover our rifles 100% of the time. And I think people are initially really wondered like, Hey man, it's 98 degrees. Why are you covering your rifle? Um, 
because uh, <laughs> I don't want to take a chance. And if I don't do it as a habit, you might forget. Um, I also think there's some benefits, you know, that are just from a keeping your rifle system in the exact same state, we'll say it helps with consistency. So I always cover my rifle. Um, I do run caps. I only run caps because on I shot the gap grind in a couple of matches in the rain. And I noticed when I didn't run caps, the first time you stage your rifle vertically as the RO is giving commands, it only takes a couple of range ops on your objective to just instantly go in the perfect spot. I can't see what I'm looking at or not be able to resolve it. So the front objective cap stays closed in any amount of inclement weather until I get on position. And then if I can avoid it, my rifle stays transported level, always have a sunshade on it, always have a cap. That gives me a buffer for rain. The rear is only open. If it's really pouring out, this stays closed until I'm about to shoot. Otherwise, this gets opened um, on the clock. So, yeah, that's good. As far as the ARD versus the sunshade, I just feel like sunshade, um, I don't know, it does as good of a job. And it gets a little bit, it directs the light to come in a little bit straighter for longer. But they're both they're both the same. Um, the, the scopes come with the sunshade and they don't come with an ARD. So I just run the sunshade most of the time. Man, I'm impressed that you still have the caps on. I literally start every scope with the caps on and it, man, I, I really want to start filming every stage because all of them have the little, uh, the hinge is broken because at some point it was twisted and I went to open it and it didn't quite fully open. And then being the kind of half caveman that I am, I just rip it off and then throw it down on the ground yeah. at that point forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like my caps enough that you, you may not be able to see it in the video, but so I've actually customized these. They're, they're normally square here. So if you were to pull this up, like they stop essentially like this. Well, mine, I've flattened this back edge so that they can go almost flush and it puts wow. them full 90 down. Same thing on the front one. I've radiused it so that when you run the cap, like, again, it's a small issue, but, you know, most of these will flip open and go to somewhere around here and they stop. Well, this one, I have to shave a little more, but I actually get it so it runs almost fully sideways. Um, but it is shaved off. It's just, it's a way for me. I've even modified my chassis to make sure, like, it clears the scope caps and lets them flip open, you know, with just a flick. It's a little out of center because it wasn't square, but, yeah, from there. They just open, but there is no clearance, like zilch. So I will cut into cool. a $1,500 chassis to make sure I can use a $3 piece of plastic. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, but that's, that's a heck of a lot better than getting a water droplet uh, on that lens and not being able to see. And then when you try to wipe that off, it's just a big smudge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you never know. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but you never know when the one shot will be the only shot that mattered. And you don't know where it is, especially in a competition or on a hunt. So if that water droplet is the one drop that I prevent that gets me a golden bullet or gets me a win, dude, it was worth every single hassle of having to remember to flip open a cap. Right, right. And at the level you guys are competing at, it really is one point one a lot of times. One point, right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, that, that's amazing to think about, though, that, that you know, for a lot of shoes, like, man, if I would have done this or that different, maybe I'd have gotten 16 points and g gone from, you know, 40th place to 35th place. But at the top, it's one point. And it's always one point. That That's amazing, man. People are getting so good. Okay, how about, how about rings? Uh, I run the MDT Elite Rings. They're a three-hole ring. So 
They're the strongest rings that I've seen so far. Um, I've run some other products. I also run the loophole rings. Um, they're just obscenely hard to uh, to get right now. So for whatever it's worth, um, yeah, I mean, even as a sponsored shooter, there are a lot of products I can't get. Um, and that's one of them. Like rings are extremely hard to find. So yeah, the um, I've have I think the same four sets of these rings and I've been running them. So all of my rifles have the exact same optic and set of rings on them. Excellent. How about you, Chad? So I run the MPA uh, Unimount. I've ran the spur in the past. Um, one of my requirements for scope mounts is accessory holes on the sides because I also run the crusher timer and I like mounting it to my scope mount. Um, I also run dual levels on my rifle. And so I have a level on the right-hand side for support side shooting that I mount to the holes on the side of the scope. So if a scope mount does not have accessory holes on the sides i don't i don't want it yeah gotcha well so let's just jump right into accessories i think most shooters are putting levels on uh, what what levels do you guys run i'm running uh, the send it level for my primary level um i like it because you can co-witness it inside your optic and it's really bright and then i have a spur level on the right hand side of my rifle for sport side um, it's just a really low pro profile extra bubble. And then, um, yeah, my, my send it is like the old school one that has the bubble inside of it as well. So there's backup. Do you run it vertically or, or normal? I run it normal because that's what I've always done. And to me, it's real intuitive. Like when it's red, I got to tilt my rifle to the right and it goes to the right. I don't know. It just, to me, with the bar going to the left and right, it just seems more intuitive for me. Yeah, I'm the same. I run it level. I use a LRA send it with the bubble level. Is that Gen 1, Chad? I'm pretty sure it is. The first I think so, yeah. Version. Um, again, because I want the co-witness. I want to be able to use the lights. If something goes wrong, my backup system is, my is the actual bubble level, the spirit level built in. Um, I've been running it since 2020. So at the end of my first season, I bought one after Chad had been using one and it's now I have, I think three or four. So they go on every rifle I own because you know, once you start shooting level guns, it makes things a lot easier all the time because it's one less thing to have to remember. But um, on top of that, the, the level itself, um, the timer, the accessory that goes right behind that timer, which is the crush it timer by Chad uh, and five by five, along with the dope card, man, that, that combo of having your level directly above your dope card and having stage times is it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. The, I like to call it your workspace or your dashboard. Like that, mm -hmm. that needs to be like really compact, compact and efficient. And you need to be able to see it all without moving your face off. I see a lot of people have a lot of awesome stuff in there on their rifle but the layout is atrocious and it's hard to do. So whatever you need to do, if you need to grind and weld and whatever, glue things into places, like it should be absolutely perfect for you, whatever that means, you know, everybody's yep. different. So that might mean something different to different people, but it needs to be laid out for you ergonomically and visually. I've been playing with the crush it timer, not, not playing with it anymore. I've been taking it to matches and I, I, I love it. I, I use that, um, and when I started using that, it literally did change how I approached hunter matches because of 
workspace and and priorities of work because at some point you have to say i'm done looking for targets and now i need to start engaging them and um, yeah. Yeah. you lose track of time and and uh, that that kind of uh, space time continuum seems to fall back on itself when you're stressed and without that timer to remind you that you made a, you made a plan and you have to stick to that plan and and that's that's really hard for your ego at first to say man i'm really good at finding targets i know i could find the next one then you get a zero instead of a six yeah, uh, out of eight. Five and, more seconds. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, and and putting the timer on there is it literally changed how I approach the the hunter matches, and and I can only imagine it is the same thing. Uh, maybe even oh. more important when the time gets constricted down, and you have to actually change a lot of positions. You know, I don't have to do that, but um, it. I think the timer is one of the bigger things in in shooting on all disciplines that that has really raised the bar quite a bit in terms of people's understanding of their performance. Um, and it's underrated. People don't quite realize it until you show them, Hey, look, if I ask these guys what their splits are on an eight position, two target stage, they'll be able to tell you by seconds and, and that can modulate the throttle a little bit. You won't time out mm -hmm. or you'll be able to, and man, when you add up all the points, just like you mentioned, when you add up the points lost or the points gained, when you're able to control your speed, um, sometimes you realize, man, I'm going so fast. I have five extra seconds. Maybe I will kind of look and see, you know, what the mirage looks like or, or what the plate spun like and, um, or take a breath and slow down a little bit. And, uh, man, I, I was really skeptical at first, but, um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever, be without a timer on my rifle ever again if I if I can help it. Yeah, to answer mm -hmm. your question, it's seven seconds. If I'm transitioning laterally from the start cold, it's nine seconds for two shots. From <laughs> ten from ten feet away for a skill stage. Nine seconds That's on awesome. the first position and seven on the next three each with two shots. So see that that's freaking awesome. Yeah, and split and, times are one one point eight to two point two two point five seconds between press to press. On the on the slow side, if I'm going really fast, it gets way lower than that, but I might miss. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't it, miss anymore, amazing. Chad. He made me swear never ever drop a point on the skill stage. So I've promised and I've kept that promise. I just lowered my part time while also cleaning them. So yeah, I'd rather have that extra point than pattern. have that extra second. Right. Yep. Man. Um people are sweet. running so damn fast on the skill stage though, Chris. It's it's ridiculous. Like there's probably ten people in the PRS now pushing 30 seconds. It's ridiculous. That's incredible. <laughs> I can't I can't compete with that. So I just I'm just happy to be under 40. Yeah. Man, that's hauling ass. That's hauling ass. But in the event that, that you actually miss one, then that's uh, that's kind of a heartbreaker. Oh, it is. Um, are there any other accessories that you throw on your rifle? Absolutely. Well, yep. accessories are like things that we haven't talked about yet, like bipod. Oh, yeah, shit, we haven't talked about bipod. Bipods. I want to talk about bipods and tripods. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chad, why don't you start, and then I'll piggyback because. Okay, yeah. I'm. Um. So there's two things that are. are <laughs> near and dear to my heart i carry three bipods with me at all times uh because i'm, I'm a big fan of the the perfect bipod for the scenario 
Um, yes, I could carry one bipod, but really a bipod doesn't really weigh that much. So uh, I am a huge fan of AccuTech bipods. I feel like they're the most solid platform um, out of all of them. And really, what are we what are we asking of a bipod? We're asking for a solid thing to hold up our rifle. So um, I'm a huge fan. I like the WB4 uh, for anything prone that's flat. And I use the sled feet on that. And people used to make fun of me. And then I kept hitting more and more targets. And I used it in the shoot off at the AG Cup. And now people keep asking me about it. So that one is, is high on my list. And then I use the BR4 for um, most other stuff that is like angle, angled or needs rubber feet, stuff like that. Um, and then the other thing we should really talk about is bags, man. I, I'm a huge fan of the Armageddon gear, Schmedium and plus one. So between the bipod and the bag, like you should be able to do anything, win any match with like one bag and a bipod. We still carry more, but I mean, I'm a huge fan of those two products. What's a plus one bag? It's, it's the Schmedium, but it's one inch bigger in all three dimensions. Oh, it's slightly, the- slightly bigger than the Schmedium. There's a size comparison if you want to see it. Most people can't see it because this, this is a podcast, medium. but I know. But there's a medium <laughs> plus one, so it's they have the same shape. It's just slightly longer. So when I said, remember how you said like your balance points a little further forward on mm-hmm. your chassis than mine, mm-hmm. and if yeah, it's because of this where where the rifle hits. If you were to see where this bag presses into the where my chassis presses into the bag, where the crook of my plus one hits the chassis is exactly on my balance point um and i that's to me one of the more critical setup rifle setup issues but yeah to to not get too far off tangent um i also i run armageddon gear bags now uh that's all i've run for years um i've tried a lot of bags thinking you'd find a specific advantage in this situation or that with another bag uh there's no situation in which i've found you can not take a game changer medium or plus one and dominate. You will find a solution with one of those two products. Um, I've actually also just started adding in the new Sykes, um, called the Sykes pack, Sykes, Sykes sack. Um, it's super light, like maybe six, eight ounces, but it is just a really quick pack that I can, or bag that's fairly large, but super lightweight with styrofoam, uh, styrofoam inside that, just takes up little gaps if you need it for like a bus stage or something where you need a rear support and it can't weigh anything because you're going to just rip it and grip it. Um, I started carrying that and that saved me a lot. So I run a plus one and a Schmedium plus a Sykes sack. Those are my three bags in my pack. Uh, I have a also have a plate as well. I use the Gray Ops uh, mini pro plate. So pro plate, I forget which one. Gray Ops pro plate two mini, mini pro plate, one of his plates and the Armageddon gear bag that attaches to it if I need a front support bag to run with a tripod rear. Um, but bipods, to go back to my end of the bipods, I also run uh, AccuTech now. I just picked one up, so it's new to me. I'm giving it some shots. Uh, as of late, I shot with it uh, recently and loved it. It was it, So I run the BR4, and I also have I always have in my pack a SkyPod, a Gen 2... Uh, standard length, which is like the nine and a half inch length leg, um, standard height skypod, single pull. So I have those two bipods for the same reasons that Chad has his. You know, this one definitely works well for solid prone positions, but the skypod is indispensable in field or big matches where you have to move around a lot. So that became quickly one of my favorites. 
Awesome. Man, I have a Gen 1 Skypod, and it's still, like, charging hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they run forever. Yeah, they work well. If I think uh, the main reasons for the Gen 2, I mean, some of the upgrades were just how they adjusted tension um, and a few other small changes to the geometry at, at certain interfaces. But beyond that, I mean, if you're used to running a Skypod, they all feel the same if you were to close your eyes. So. Awesome. Okay, and then uh, tripods. So I have the um, really right stuff, the double leg, the two-section one. I can't remember the name. It's TVC22i or something. It's inverted legs. I really like because uh, – Do you also carry uh, some sort of a clamp on it just in case, or do you run it just with the base? Yeah, so the clamp, I always have an Arca reel on it or Arca clamp on it along with my binos. So binos, I have a bino mount, and I want the things on my tripod. So this is the, the slide lock bino mount. It's a co-witnessed LRF that slides off with uh, your binos mounted. So this kit clamps just like you would to an Arca and it just pops off. This goes in your pack and now you have the ability to clip in with your rifle if you need to. But when I'm shooting or hunting, I generally, I'll keep that on there, but I actually prefer to shoot off of a bag directly on the top of an empty saddle. I just put, take the ball head out, have an empty bowl and just have the bag on top of the head uh, of the tripod, not the ball head, but the saddle head. Um, I think I'm not sure if I'm using the right nomenclature there, but you know, the part that holds the, your, your center bowl, uh, it's more stable. It gets your CG of your bag lower on a wider surface area. So it's far more stable. And I'm so used to shooting positionals um, off of semi-stable props that that actually works better for me than clipping in is of the sort of induced wobble. If you're off on your tripod clip-in point, I don't want to, I'd rather not have to fight that during a shot. So. Awesome. so. I make up terms all the time, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> we know what you're talking about. Cool. Yeah, and there's a couple other things that I've added to my chassis, but I'll let Chad come back to the rifle and then maybe I'll add things that I have on mine that are yeah, different, maybe unique. That's kind of what it's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Just I, I don't really have a ton of specifics to share because it won't really make sense, but I want to urge everyone to treat everyone every one of your chassis or your stocks like it's your own and make it flexible for you. Like there's lots of little things that Francis and I have done to our chassis, whether we grind it into certain places here or 3D print little pieces and put them on there or whatever. Like I make my own grip because I feel like the grip of your rifle or your interface with the grip is like one of the most important parts of how you, how you build your shooting position. And so I would urge everyone to question like everything about their interface with the rifle and make sure that they're scrutinizing. Is it really comfortable for them? Is, are they really relaxed when they're shooting? Um, and all those little things add up to comfort and natural point of aim when it comes down to it yep yeah so some things that are a little different on my chassis than most um you know i started when i started working with mdt two years ago we began with the damper inserts so this is something i came up with two years ago and when i reached out to mdt about it you know we started the project with the original acc so they, I needed a little bit softer material that I could not print or source. So I sent it to them. They started trying it and they're like, this is what I feel. It worked. And it gives me a slightly more dead feel with less shock uh, during the shot. And it settles the gun a little faster um, along with, and I, I don't want to say it settles it faster to the point where it's like average Joe goes, oh yeah, that's night and day. 
No, it's it's a very, very minute detail. But what Chad's trying to say is make this your own. You know, this was an attempt for me to gain. I don't even know if I can put it in seconds, but the human reaction time is generally 20 thousandths of a second, right? Approximately. I needed to gain somewhere in the order of five to 10, 20 uh, thousandths of a second. So that if I pick up that the ability to focus on a target 20 thousandths faster, so instead of 20 reaction time plus 20, it's just reaction time. I've just gained about 50 yards of downrange flight that I can actually see the bullet or impact faster. So the faster the chassis is dead on target, the faster I can see downrange effect. Um, so that was part of the, the reason and impetus for those dampers. The other ones are like some little things I've done to how I have my thumb holes. Like this is a, a mold. Like I took a picture of my thumb and used it in CAD to mold a... 3D printed thumb shelf that drives with the axis of the bore so that when I grip the bag, I have both a contoured exact placement of the bag, but also a forward stop for my thumb. It stops there. So when the rifle recoils, it's you can't see it very well, but it will go from one millimeter to touch. And that happens. I mean, the gun will move about one millimeter for me. And I've set that up because I know how my gun re reacts. I give it the exact same attention and detail on each shot. So that ergonomic change was big for me because it let me consistently place my hand in the exact same spot. Like there's no differential. And some other things it does is puts bone to bone support. You've probably heard that, you know, we want straight bone on bone. Well, if my hand and arm are straight away, if my left thumb can go down from the tip of my thumb all the way back through my arm, I now have essentially bone to bone linkage from the other control point of my rifle while in positional shots. So yeah, those are big ones. My thumb piece, I have a cheek, a thumb piece on one side that's been ground down and custom made. Um, the colors are mine and I make that custom. It just rattle can. Again, like Chad's, I've gotten marks engraved all over for like, for instance, bipod. There's, you see that silver line? Mm -hmm. That silver line is where my bipod should be every single time I put it on this rifle. That's where I know that the balance point is, that's where I know everything feels the same. It's where I can reach it. If I come up to on a prone stage, that's the perfect spot for me to be able to manipulate a leg without breaking a position. Um, and the same thing with other settings on my rifle, they're all marked and indexed so that if something changes, I can easily RTZ and return to zero on whatever that feature needs to be. So yeah. Oh, one other cool thing. This is, you, you'll appreciate you guys will well chris will chad you'll once you get it so the cheek piece on this is a quick detach with some clamps three allen wrenches are always underneath there so this actually wow. has a magnetic holder for three allen wrenches so you can always adjust your scope your m lock and your trigger weight and then back in so you'll get to tinker with that once it arrives man i'm excited yeah so those are that's my rifle and Chad. Excellent. <laughs> um, oh, tripod. Tripod, one thing we forgot. I run the tripod caddy from Armageddon Gear. That's where my work... So Chad talked about workspaces. My workspace is on my tripod. So I run the caddy because it puts my match, uh, my matchbook, my pencils, pens, dope cards, lens cleaners, a few snacks, my Kestrel, um, all within a workstation that lets me be literally behind glass and transition from glass to work, glass to work, so to speak, without having to break to my pack. So my concentration stays up as a result. 